Just because the 2023 Farm Bill deadline got extended to fall of 2024 doesn't necessarily mean that there's a lot more time for discussion. I'm Stephanie Hoff for the Midwest Farm Report, and this is the word from Mary Kay Thatcher. She's the Senior Manager of Federal Government and Industry Relations with Syngenta, and she says the upcoming election year might make Farm Bill negotiations messy. Speaking of the elections, Mary Kay also predicts that trade won't be the priority that agriculture wants it to be among the top presidential candidates. Before we look ahead to 2024, Mary Kay says there's regulation in the works now that will definitely have an impact on farmers' wallets. The Environmental Protection Agency is proposing a new herbicide framework that would essentially require farmers to gain points through conservation practices in order to buy herbicide. Mary Kay says farmers and agribusinesses need to keep their eye on where this proposal is moving. Syngenta and all the companies like mine are working diligently with the farm groups to try to get this stopped. And, you know, whether it's environmental groups or farm groups or companies like ours, everybody agrees we have to do something about the fact that FIFRA, the statute that regulates pesticide use, and the Endangered Species Act often collide and something has to happen because... um, in general, a pesticide, if it could have an impact on an endangered species, then the Fish and Wildlife Service is supposed to look at it. They're supposed to look at it and comment in 18 months, but it takes somewhere between 4 and 12 years. So generally what's happened is EPA has just gone ahead and said, we'll allow you to use it till we hear back. And, of course, the enviros have taken lawsuits, and EPA admits wrongdoing, so they said, well, we better come up with this. So let me, let me say first, everybody agrees there's a problem we have to deal with, but the reg is just overkill because what they do is they come out and they say farmers will do at least four mitigation practices if you want to use this pesticide, and you're in an area of one of 27 endangered species. But they're also very clear that this is a pilot program, and they'll go from 27 endangered species to 1,600 endangered species. For now, it already hits, for example, 5 million acres of soybeans, just those 27 endangered species. But the mitigation things are expensive. It's like you'll put in a cover crop. You'll have a fairly wide buffer strip. Uh, You'll put in vegetative tillage. You'll reduce pesticide usage by 40% really things that are going to cost farmers a lot of money. I mean, we've been talking a lot of farm bill kind of things, and farmers are obviously interested, but the fact is this EPA proposal will mean a lot more to whether farmers can keep money in their pocket than will the farm bill. It's just a very draconian measure. Nearly 1,500 farmers had had voiced concern about this proposed framework for the reasons that you listed. The point system is really complex. There is a lack of affordable options for growers. What solutions are egg businesses like Syngenta bringing to the table where they could reach a compromise? Well, I think we're saying that, you know, implementing these mitigation efforts before you know if anything happens is just not acceptable because farmers could live under these mitigation practices for three or four years before you ever find out if fish and wildlife is going to say the endangered species is a problem. So we have to backtrack that and find a way to slow the lawsuits but to indeed not say we're going to mitigate just because we can. Um, We also are trying diligently to sort of educate EPA about some things. I mean, one of the provisions in the bill says that if I want to use a pesticide on my farm, I have to go to the local Fish and Wildlife Service three months before I'm going to apply the pesticide to get permission. Well, how do I know what pest I'm going to have three months down the road? I mean, it's like 
common sense when a farmer thinks about it, but it wasn't common sense at EPA. So there's a lot going on just trying to educate EPA. I mean, there's another provision in there about, well, if the weather service says it's going to rain 48 hours before you're going to apply, you can't apply. Well, really, you know, which weather service do we believe? What time of day? How does that work? And of course, you know, if you say that, shoot, they can predict it's going to rain for three weeks in a row at my farm. It never does. I could have applied it, but now they've put off the ability to apply the pesticide for three weeks. Mary Kay, is there a timeline for when this proposal could become an actual regulation? Is there a is there a hearing period? Give me a sense of the timeline here. So we're in a comment period right now, and we were successful in, in extending the comment period so we can make more people aware of it, because it is such a complex regulation. Um, it's not simple to understand. And it's hard to get farmers to really focus on it. Again, as I said, people want to look at the farm bill. But really, if you want to look at something, you better pay attention to what, what's happening at EPA. And what I do is I encourage people. There is no way the average farmer is going to read this regulation and be able to understand it. So you need to pay attention. You need to either join your, your farm bureau, your corn, your soybean, your wheat uh, trade groups. And let them help you understand what it is and help you find ways, whether it's to write a comment letter, whether it's to talk to a member of Congress, etc. But we have got to do better about getting the word out about just how awful this could be for, for farmers. Now, we are going to change the subject to the Farm Bill. Obviously, that's been extended now. There's a deadline in September of 2024. Walk me through some of your priorities that, that you're focused on now that you have some extra time. Really... It only probably got us till about May of next year. If it, if we try to pass it closer to the November election than that, it just doesn't happen. There's too much politics tied up. And when you think about the fact that we also kicked the can down the road on all these approps bills, um, some of which will, you know, have to come to fruition on January 19th, some on February 2nd, we're not going to do anything else till we finish that. So we're at a fairly small time frame to be able to really get this done. And, you know, I would say there's at least a 50-50 chance it doesn't get done until 2025 instead of 2024. Saying that, however, I think one thing that is really good is that the troops really have rallied around crop insurance, be it companies like mine or the lending institutions or farm groups about just how important it is and how important having a strong crop insurance program is to getting away from some of the ad hoc disaster assistance. Um, While I think that assistance has absolutely been necessary, whether it's through COVID or the tit-for-tat trade war, etc., you know, that money doesn't pay out very, uh, very timely. Oftentimes it's a couple of years after you have the disaster before it pays out. It never seems quite fair. They keep changing the rules on this is how we pay it out this time, this is the next. So crop insurance is such a predictable option. I I think that, you know, continuing to have good support for that is going to be a really important safety net for farmers. And it sounds like optimism there because it seems like that's something everyone can agree on. I agree. I think everyone is agreeing. I mean, I think you'll see some changes in the fruit and vegetable sector, which need to happen. I mean, it's much more difficult for an insurance company to come in and really be able to cover fruits and vegetables, especially, you know, pretty much if you don't have five apple growers in the county, you're not going to be able to get an insurance policy because they don't know what's actually sound. Well, you got a lot of counties that don't have five apple growers or five orange growers or, you know, whatever it may be. So it's harder to do, but I think there is going to be some effort to pump that up and that'll be a positive. Why does Syngenta have skin in the game? at the at the capital but where do you fit into this picture well at a very high level we look at it as you know if our farmers prosper we prosper if our farmers don't prosper we're not going to prosper either so we want to be very supportive of what our partners need and want you know we find it really important to be there because you know again if i go back to this epa issue there are so many complexities about that that we have to work in tangent 
with the farm and commodity groups to make sure we all have enough knowledge and we have enough uh, a volume of people to get something positive done. You mentioned trade earlier, and I, I do want to touch on this. We heard from economists earlier this week that the only way that farmers are going to see higher prices for their commodities is if demand picks up, either domestically but, but mostly overseas. And I was wondering, does Syngenta have a role in pushing the Biden administration to make more trade deals or cut back on tariffs? What's happening? We, like everybody else, um, feel really strongly, you got to get back to more trade deals, more free, ta- free and fair trade agreements. Um, you know, as we're sitting on our thumbs and not doing them, which we are, we've only got like 20 on the books. And um, it's not just the Biden administration. I mean, they've been unwilling. They only want to go in and work on sanitary and phytosanitary issues. And those are important. But as we sit on the sidelines, other countries look at our markets and they go cut free trade agreements that maybe cut tariffs 10, 15 percent. Well, all of a sudden, those products are cheaper for our export market to buy from another another country. The Trump administration didn't do trade agreements. The Biden administration isn't doing them. You know, as of today, it sure looks like Mr. Trump or Mr. Biden will be our president in another year for four more years. So we're going to have years and years of not doing free and fair trade agreements, and we're going to fall further and further behind. So farmers are going to have to get more adamant and really, like, you know, pound their hands on the table about, we have to have this. If we're exporting 20%, that's too much to just, you know, take for granted. If there was one deal that you think needs to get done in 2024, one maybe it's one market, maybe it's one commodity, what needs to happen, you think? Well, I think, you know, you look at the IPEF uh, agreements that are going on now, Indonesia, Pacific, you know, that uh, area, uh, the Asian area of the U.S., that's a great growth market for everybody. And again, we're over there and we're negotiating sanitary agreements, but we need to cut some of the tariffs, too, to be able to get products into those countries. Mary Kay Thatcher along with us. She's the Senior Manager of Federal Government and Industry Relations with Syngenta. Some of the top issues that she's addressing in D.C. starts with encouraging farmers and agriculture groups to speak up against the Environmental Protection Agency's proposed herbicide framework. Meanwhile, the 2024 election year has her on the fence about if the Farm Bill will actually get written in a timely manner. For the Midwest Farm Report, I'm Stephanie Hoff.